everyone. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And I really just want to rip my arms off right now. Oh my god, I just saw your picture. <laughs> I thought I should let everyone know. I've never in my life fucking had poison ivy. And I was like, you know what? We were doing yard work at Casey's house, our bro- my brother-in-law, last weekend. And mom was like, can you do the poison ivy? Like, I, I get a really bad reaction. I was like, sure, I've never had a reaction. So, fun fact, I'm now allergic to poison ivy, and it's, it's so bad. Oh, my God. I Kels, I was in the same boat the following day when I was there, where yeah. there was a bunch of poison ivy behind the AC unit, uh-huh. and I said the same thing. I was like, I'm not, I've never had poison ivy in my life, so I don't think I'm allergic. So I was like, I'll just rip it out and knock on wood. I did not get poison ivy. Dude, I don't know how, because this is miserable. I can't imagine. I mean, I had a little bit of a scare while I was there. I'm not going to lie, because at one point I started getting a rash on my arm and I was like, okay, either I'm getting poison ivy or this is heat rash because it was fucking hot out that day. And then within an hour of leaving, it went away. So I was like, I guess it was just heat rash. But yeah, apparently yours wasn't. Definitely heat rash. Poison ivy comes out like three days later. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm going to handle this. This is going to be totally fine. And then yesterday I got home from work and I was like, it's not fine. I literally was so uncomfortable. I couldn't move my arms. I, oh my. I'm, I've never had a reaction like this before. So I had to have my coworkers call me in um, steroids. <laughs> Are you slathering yourself in that poison ivy stuff? That fucking pink crap, Calamite? Yeah. The Pepto-Bismol? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I bought Pepto instead. It didn't work. <laughs> no, Calamite. It sucked. Yeah. It didn't even touch it. It oh was, like, God. itchy from the inside out. Oh. I've never in my life, in the past two nights, I went to bed at 9 o'clock. I think it was because, like, my body was just, couldn't Done. handle it. Yeah. Wow. It was so weird. But, oh yeah. Oh, my God. Aside from that, my life has been pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> or it's been so overwhelmed with poison ivy that you haven't realized anything else. And I haven't been able to perform daily functions, yeah. Oh my god, that's awful. I cannot believe you got it like that. You know, and I worked in urgent care, and every time people would come in with poison ivy, I was like, you guys are babies. Like, come on, it's poison ivy. I totally feel their pain now. <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm laughing out of pity i'm sorry (laughs) it's okay it's really not that bad anymore but yeah how crazy oh god well if it makes you feel any better i've been a little bit of a shit show as well why what's happening so i either have a pinched nerve or did something it's kind of like behind my shoulder blade and it's going all the way up to my neck oh my god Yeah, to the point where, like, last night I had to sleep on one side, kind of nooked, because (laughs) it hurt any other way. And then on top of that, I have a story. (laughs) So I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, where growing up, I've had these, I don't want to describe them as night terrors. I think there's a more appropriate medical term for it, where it happens when you're waking up. It can happen if you're right before you're going into a sleep or right when you wake are waking up from a sleep where you have like little hallucinations of stuff. Okay. I forget the term for it, but I considered it a night terror for a long time and then I looked it up and there's an actual term for it. 
So growing up, I would always have these, I'll call them night terrors, where I would wake up, but I would still be kind of half asleep. And I would think I saw spiders crawling up my walls or across my ceiling. Oh, no. But they're not there. So this happened to me again for the first time in a really long time the other night where I woke up in the middle of the night and I swear to God, I thought I saw a massive spider crawling across Timo in bed. And I t- I started picking up our blanket, whipping it around. <laughs> I took my phone out. I was shining the light trying to find it. Meanwhile, I was still kind of half asleep and I was going so crazy. I knocked my water over by m- the side of my bed. Stop. And Timo finally wakes up and it was and was like, "What are you doing?" And I guess that kind of snapped me out of it and I was like, <laughs> "I thought I saw a spider." And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my god, I think it was one of those things where it wasn't a real spider. Stop it. That is terrifying. Yeah, and this randomly happens to me. I don't know if it's when I'm stressed or really overtired or in a like coming out of a weird state of sleep, but it's always fucking spiders. Are you stressed? Not too stressed, but I was thinking maybe because I like have this tweak in my back, I was just sleeping weird. I don't know. Oh, my God. But the spiders are what nightmares are made of. That's all I got to say. That fucking sucks. I can't believe (laughs) – going to be the episode title. (laughs) I can't believe that that happens. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. I think I told a story once before on the podcast about how it happened to me in high school and my friend was sleeping over and I scared the literal living shit out of her. I mean, I've had something similar, too, I guess, because I woke up and thought there was somebody in our apartment. Yeah. And yeah. I told Carson, I was like, there's a guy in their living room. <laughs> he was like, he was like, what? <laughs> and gets up and then searches around the place and then comes back to the bedroom and I'm like sleeping again. What are our minds, honestly? I don't know. I swear to God. I've been having weird dreams again. Yeah. How's same. Mercury? Is she in retrograde? No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> there is a full moon coming up next week, though. But speaking of weird, do you ever catch yourself being super weird? Yes, all the time. And and you're like, what the fuck? Why did I just do that? Yeah, on a daily basis. (laughs) So another thing that's been going on, like I said, I'm just like a walking shit show right now, as are you. I woke up this morning with a sty in my eye. (laughs) And on the way to work this morning, I made up lyrics to the tune of there was an old lady who swallowed a fly about the sty I woke up with. What the actual fuck? What did you what did you have for your morning coffee? Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know. And as after I did it, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like new level of strange unlocked. <laughs> I feel like Ava, you and Ava just did that recently though, so Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's a normal occurrence. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Anytime I talk to a person, I'm like, why the fuck did I just say that out loud? Mm-hmm. But... Agreed. All right, should we get into our coffee? Yes, let's do it. All right, so for today's coffee review, Kelsey and I are reviewing separate yet again. We did get some coffee sent to us from some coffee shops, but we haven't seen each other in person to be able to split up the coffees to be able to review the same coffee. So today I am reviewing a coffee and Kelsey is going to be giving another coffee recipe for you guys. Yes. So the coffee that I'm reviewing today 
It doesn't have a flavor or anything. It's just a standard coffee. And I got it from Clovebrook Market. This is located in Sussex, New Jersey. They're a bakery, a deli, a catering place. They're fucking amazing. Their coffee, I just got iced black coffee. I didn't even put anything in it. And let me describe what it tastes like to you guys. Yum. Their coffee is really good and they have really good food. Yeah, see, I've only ever really gotten their hot coffee or they have a cappuccino machine. So randomly, I'll get something from that in the wintertime. But because they don't have flavored iced coffees, I've never thought to get one there. And I Mm -hmm. happen to be stopping there on the way home today. So I was like, you know what? I'll just grab grab an iced coffee and see what it tastes like. Yum. So I have to say their iced coffee, like I said, I'm drinking it black. I don't know if I'm a new woman or if this is just... (laughs) good coffee but it is a strong coffee it's on the stronger side i'm i'm leaning towards a dark roast or a high up there medium roast it isn't bitter although there's a little like pow like a kick to it kind of thing i would probably rate this one an eight eight and a half wow yeah you know how people say, like, your taste buds change with wine? Like, you start off with Moscato and then you turn into a hardcore, like, Merlot person? hmm I feel like that's the same with coffee. Yeah, probably. And I, I feel like for a non-flavored coffee, this is a great one to maybe just add your own creamer to or oat milk or whatever because it's just that standard base, but it's really good for – just being a plain coffee. Yum. Yeah. So their website for anyone who wants to check them out is clovebrookmarket.com and their Instagram is clovebrookmarket. That sounds really good. I'm going to have to get their ice next time I go. And shout out to them, I have to say as well, before we move on to yours. Their scones, which is what I stopped there for, are the best fucking scones I've ever had in my life besides my grandmother's who was my grandma was straight from England (laughs) if you do like a dry ass scone you won't like their scones but if you like a good scone that has a little bit of moisture to it it's not cakey but it's I hate to use the word moist but that's what it is um their scones are delicious I would rate them a 10 out of 10 uh scone crumbs I'll call (laughs) it they're so good i was not expecting that (laughs) i don't know what i was just like let me come up with something (laughs) okay i'm excited about this one it actually looks really good and if i had ice i'd make it tonight but i don't so this is a blended coffee uh running run-of-the-mill frappuccino but so this is a blended ice brown sugar coffee so the ingredients are two teaspoons of instant coffee. I'm sure you could just like use regular as well, but two tablespoons of brown sugar, one and a fourth cup of milk and six to eight ice cubes. So you blend that all up together. And of course, with the water that it takes for the instant coffee. And then you put whipped cream on top if you want, but it looks fucking amazing. That sounds delicious, and I love brown sugar, so I'm definitely going to try that. I know. I picked this one because you love brown sugar. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, it looks really good. I'm going to have to try to make that one. Yeah, make sure to send that recipe to me. Deal. Okay. Are we ready to get into it? Yes. 
So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's episode was recommended by Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. We haven't done one of her case suggestions in a very, very long time. So thank you so much for sending this in. Yeah, thank you, Alyssa. So today's case is on Gregory Villamon and a little bit of background. He was born August 24th, 1980, and he lived in La Ponge sur Valone, Vosges, France. I'm so sorry if I butchered that, but I tried my hardest. We're trying our best. We did look up <laughs> pronunciations. <laughs> He was four years old at the time of this event, and his parents were Jean-Marie and Christine Villamon. He, by the way, literally looks like a little cherub baby. I can't even handle how fucking cute this little kid is. He has, like, little brown curly hair, and he's always smiling in all the pictures. He's so freaking cute. Adorable. So, spoiler alert, I'm going to get into what happened prior to his murder. Jean-Marie and family received multiple letters and calls that were anonymous and threatening revenge against Jean-Marie, who again was Gregory's dad. One letter said, quote, I'll have all your hides. Another one said, quote, I hate you so much. The day you die, I will spit on your grave. Ugh. That was a quote from theguardian.com. I heard that Jean-Marie was like pretty high up in his business. Everyone referred to him as like the boss. So he had a lot of people under him. The person that sent these letters claimed to know about the Villamon family. Weird things about them. Yeah, like things only friends or family or someone close to them would probably know. Yeah, like it got to the point where he was basically like, my house has to be bugged. These letters and phone calls allegedly went on for years before the murder. They were thought to be linked to Jean-Marie's promotion at the local car parts factory. Here he made car seats and was a supervisor, and he had refused to join the union. The Villamons had bought a fancy villa and owned two cars, so maybe this could have fueled jealousy in somebody? Who knows? Yeah, I had read in some articles that some of their family members were outwardly jealous about his promotion, and showed unhappiness about it that's really sad yeah a window had also been smashed in their home at some point and tires on their cars were slashed so somebody really was trying to get to him they were pissed about him that's really disturbing yeah october 16th 1984 around 5 p.m christine villamon reported gregory as a missing person to the police He went missing from the front yard where he was playing, and another article stated that he disappeared while playing in the home's garden. There had also been a third article where they mentioned him playing in, like, a sand pile. So this is all just deferring stories. Either way, he was in his front yard of his home. Yeah, apparently this town was very, very small. Everybody knew each other. It was super safe, so this was a common occurrence to like let your kid play out front or whatever right you were gardening yeah they had described it as like a sleepy town Mm -hmm. and again it was the early 80s as well right 5 30 p.m gregory's uncle michelle villamon said he got a call from an anonymous person that gregory was taken and thrown into the river valone This call came through while Christine was driving around, frantically looking for Gregory. 
Oh my god, I can't even handle how freaked out she must have been. That's just a parent's worst nightmare. I can't even imagine. Michelle described this voice as, quote, loud and nervous, but he could not tell if it was male or female. Allegedly, the caller said, quote, I've kidnapped the boy, I've strangled him, and I've thrown him in the river Valone. I have my revenge. And that what? was a quote from theguardian.com. That is literally terrifying. Yeah. Like, all these little things have been building up over years, and you're like, okay, I just have to live with this, I guess. And then something like this happens. Mm-hmm. Literally, their worst nightmare happens. The Irish Times states the caller said, quote, I got revenge, I got the boss's son, and I put him in the river. Oh, my God. So, again, deferring kind of statements, but I also feel like some of this can, and we'll see it later on as we get further down, too. I feel like some of this could also be a translation thing right. with how, if it's reported in French, how it's translated somewhere else. The River Valone is in the eastern region of Vosges. 9 p.m., and some articles say 9.15 p.m., that night, his body was found in the River Valone with his hands and feet bound and a wool hat covering his face. Oh. Which is so freaking sad and horrible that that was done to a four-year-old child. I just, I really hope he wasn't scared for long and it just something happened quickly because i can't even picture the terror he went through yeah and if the hat was potentially pulled over his face well we've seen this in other cases where that's a sign of potentially being someone that knew them right and they didn't want to see the face right but i feel like it could also potentially be like even if it was someone that didn't know him someone who did this to a child Right, and they couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a blue anorak. There was also rope around his neck. And he was found four miles or seven kilometers from his home. October 17, 1984, which was the next day, the Villamons got another anonymous letter saying, quote, I have taken vengeance. The anonymous writer was then termed Le Corbeau, or The Crow, by the media, which was slang for an anonymous letter writer. And this is a little fun fact tied to that. This name came from a 1943 film about an anonymous letter writer. Wow. The letter also allegedly said, quote, I hope you die of sorrow, boss. Your money won't bring your son back. There's my revenge. And that was a quote from France 24. How do you have so much, like, hatred in your body? For real, though. I don't understand. And if this is all over someone getting a promotion or the amount of money someone has, that's enough to fuel your hatred to kill a, a child? Yeah. That, that just makes zero sense to me. It's horrifying. Another version of this letter has been posted to allegedly say, quote, I hope you die of grief, boss. Your money won't bring back your son. Here's my revenge, you bastard. And that's a quote from theguardian.com. So again, this can just be a translation, lost Mm -hmm. in translation type of thing. Right. But either way, this person saying boss, 
that makes it seem like whether it's a family member or someone who worked for him or whatnot, it roots back to him being the boss of this company. Right. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it was definitely someone that worked with him. It's important to note that during the investigation, many critical errors were made. There were procedural errors. The crime scene was not secured. A full autopsy was not done. And some evidence was thrown out. So this really pisses me the fuck off because a lot of different articles said an autopsy wasn't performed. So there was no way to rule that this was even a drowning or like what had happened to Gregory before he was found in the river. (sighs) Something strange that I thought of regarding this case was the way his hands and feet and neck were described to be tied with the rope not to get too graphic but it reminded me of the jean benet ramsey case that is so i have the chills that's so weird that you say that because the details surrounding this case a lot of people compare it to jean benet really yeah i heard it in a like a youtube article about it oh wow yeah that's instantly what i thought of and i'm like i don't It makes me sick to even think down that route, obviously, because they're both children. But the way it was described, I instantly was like, wow. Yeah, that's insane. So now onto the charges. Bernard LaRoche, who was Jean-Marie's cousin, was charged by Judge Jean-Michel Lambert for Gregory's murder. So Gregory's dad's cousin was charged for the murder. This was based on a handwriting expert's findings. Another reason he was brought to question was because LaRoche's sister-in-law, Muriel Ball, had made a statement. Muriel was 15 at the time, and LaRoche had provided Muriel as an alibi. She originally backed LaRoche on this, but then changed her statement to say that she witnessed the kidnapping. Hmm. Which is really weird. Mm-hmm. She had said, quote, LaRoche collected her from the school before picking up a little boy that she had never seen before and dropping him off at another location. And that was a quote from France 24. Remember, she was 15 at the time. I feel like there could be different explanations for that. Right. Including, as we've seen in the past, her being maybe interrogated too long as a 15-year-old or coerced into saying something. Right. Or her being 15 and wanting to change her story for whatever reason. Right. Like, she's a, she's a kid. Yeah. Or who knows if that could have been the truth. Like, there's so many different ways or reasons that that could have happened. Yeah. So this statement about her seeing the little boy being picked up, wasn't heard by Judge Lambert for days. Her statements were then allegedly leaked to the press by him. LaRoche was taken into custody on November 5th, 1984. Muriel Ball, remember she was a 15-year-old, recanted her statement a day later, saying it was coerced by the police. LaRoche was then released from police custody February 4th, 1985. So not too long after, from November to February. Yeah. So now on to the aftermath. March 25th, 1985, 
Handwriting experts said that Gregory's mother, Christine, was likely the writer of the anonymous letters. What a horrifying thing to, like, put out there. I have a lot of feelings about that. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned in other episodes the podcast Unraveled, where season three is all about handwriting expert analysis and how you can be considered quote-unquote an expert and literally testify and put people away and really not even know your shit. Yeah. And I feel like in the 80s, how expert really were these people? Yeah. And if this woman who literally just lost her four-year-old child to murder was being accused of writing these letters all along, like, that's so much trauma to endure. I feel like how much could they really prove about that back then? Right. I don't, you can't put much weight in it, I feel. Yeah. And again, this is so similar to the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Yeah. Like the anonymous letter. I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. And the mom being accused. Yeah. March 29th, 1985, Jean Marie killed LaRoche when he was leaving from work. He was still convinced that he was the killer at this point in time, obviously. Another article stated that he was shot outside of his home. So differing information there, but this was about five months after the death of Gregory. LaRoche had been released, but was still under investigation at the time. In 1993, Jean-Marie was sentenced to five years in prison, but only served two and a half for the murder sentence. He had already spent years behind bars awaiting for trial, so that's basically time served. July 1985, Christine was charged with the murder of Gregory. This is fucking horrifying. This was again based on the handwriting sample that the expert said, oh, they came from her. Yeah, and I want to make a point to say, like, if you do handwriting analysis for a living or you're a handwriting expert, props to you. That's incredible. But it's just... I don't think someone should be put in jail solely on that. Yeah. Or sentenced solely on that. And I think at this point in time, like where we're at now, it's been proven that someone can't be put away solely for that because there's so many inconsistencies that can happen or different ins and outs of the whole thing. Right. But the fact that that's what she was charged based on. She's horrible. Like, how is that even evidence? At this time, Christine was only 25 years old. She was also six months pregnant, so she ended up leading an 11-day hunger strike. Wow. She was then released from prison after saying there was minimal evidence and no motive. So, yeah, I mean, Jesus. Allegedly, she had fainted and miscarried one of the twins she was carrying, which is fucking horrifying at six months pregnant. On top of losing her four-year-old already. I just can't. I can't even deal with the pain that she had to have gone through. Oh my god, this poor woman. Charges were dropped against her on February 2nd, 1993. And this is eight years for her to be cleared. Like, that's eight fucking years. That's disgusting. Insane. I feel so sorry for her. That poor woman. So fast-forwarding to the year 2000 this case was actually reopened in 2000 for dna testing on a stamp 
that was used to send one of the anonymous letters, which is so beyond fucking cool. Yeah, that's insane. I I just love DNA. Mm-hmm. Same. We've uh <laughs> we've gone on about this for a while now. Like that that is the biggest fucking breakthrough. Yeah. Unfortunately, the tests were inconclusive. 2004, each of Gregory's parents were ordered to be paid 35,000 euros or $42,000 at that time in damages. Wow. And this was to be paid by French authorities. There was no information whether they were paid or not. I'm hoping they were. Yeah. Because that's the least that can be done for them. Right. 2008, the case was again reopened, which I don't know why they continue to close it. If they just keep reopening it? Yeah, and when it's not solved, why close a case that's not solved? I feel like that's somebody being like, all right, it's closed. Yeah. And somebody new coming along being like, okay, it's not closed. (laughs) Yeah. So three separate traces of DNA were found on the letters. And again, these were not identified. Wow. 2013, the judge allowed for more DNA testing on a rope found near Gregory's body, his clothes, and shoes. And again, this was all inconclusive. In more recent news, June 14th, 2017, this is a quote from France 24, quote, new criminal analysis software called Anacrim had showed quote-unquote, chronological inconsistencies in various testimonies. Which is so crazy that there's a software that can analyze inconsistencies in testimonies. Yeah, that's fucking cool. That is mind-blowing to me. That's amazing. Yeah. So Who that came up co- with that? Bravo. I don't know, but that comes to a close second under DNA. Because <laughs> DNA will always be number one in our books. Agreed. Wow. I need to know who came up with that software. (laughs) Yeah. We have to research Anacrim after this. Right. As of 2017, Anacrim has shown inconsistencies in the testimonies of 400 witnesses. Oh, my God. Three people were arrested based on the new evidence. This was Gregory's great aunt, Jacqueline Jacob, Gregory's great uncle, Marcel Jacob, and Gregory's aunt, Jeanette Villamon. Some articles say Michelle's widow, and some say Jean-Marie's half-sister was Jeanette, and maybe they're both the same person. It just it was just worded that way in different articles, so I wanted to make it a point to say that. The aunt was later released, but the great-aunt and great-uncle used their right to remain silent. Allegedly, Gregory's grandmother was also taken in as a witness, and his grandfather was also questioned. Wow. Urel Ball, which was LaRoche's sister-in-law, was also arrested, but then later released after 36 days. According to reports, she had also been asked to provide a DNA sample. And that's kind of where that just, we have no more information on that. Yeah. July 11th, 2017, magistrate in charge of the first investigation, Judge Jean-Michel Lambert, committed suicide. This literally broke my heart. This is extremely sad. 
His goodbye letter he wrote to the local newspaper, he said how he felt increasing pressure from this case being reopened, and that's why he ended his life. I have the chills all over. Oh my god, that is horrible. No one should feel that much pressure to take their own lives like that. Especially from their job. Like, that is so sad. Yeah, and when I'm sure he wanted this solved just as badly as other people did, you know? Yeah. He also said that Gregory's case haunted him, which is just beyond awful. My heart. An article written in 2017 stated that, quote, since the case was reopened at the demand of Gregory's parents in 2008, investigators have reviewed 12,000 pieces of evidence. And that's a quote from Irish Times. I cannot believe how long this is going on. I know. And that with all the advances that have been made, that you've reviewed 12,000 pieces of evidence or you've found DNA on certain things, but still nothing has come of it. I feel like the autopsy would have been so key in this as well. Agreed. I wonder, without being too graphic, I wonder if he was cremated or not. Yeah, I don't know. And if by now they'd be, I mean, certain things, like strangulation, they would be able to tell, but I wonder if they could exhume him if he wasn't. I heard somewhere, I read somewhere in one of the articles that we were researching that there was, by the riverbed, there was a needle and a bottle of insulin so like i don't know how much weight goes into that but that's the case too and they didn't do an autopsy like that could have easily killed him right or at least rendered him unconscious right for something to be done to him if they had found needle marks or something and they literally didn't even look yeah that's just the ball was dropped speaking of ball in 2018 (laughs) like how i led you into that Unintentional. Unintentional. (laughs) In 2018, Ball wrote a book on her involvement with this case called, quote, Breaking the Silence. She said in the book that LaRoche was innocent and police coerced him. In 2017, Ball's cousin said that Ball's family actually physically abused her in 84 for her testimony against LaRoche. But Ball then came back and said that was a lie. For her to recant. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Insane. If that did happen, how fucking disgusting. And if that didn't happen, what a fucking lie to make up. Right. About someone. April 19th, 2020, Monique Villamon, which was Gregory's paternal grandmother, died at age 88. So that really doesn't have anything to do with the case, but we thought you'd want to know. December 2020... A Swiss firm's analysis of the letters allegedly pointed to a single suspect. Quote, police say a new tool invented in Switzerland that they call stylometrics has allowed them to compare not the writing in the anonymous letters, but the style, syntax, punctuation, and turns of phrase that could help identify the corbeau and the murderer. What? That is insane. Shut up. That can't be real. (laughs) Le Parisian was announced the new development and said the technique 
had identified a suspect. And that was a quote from all from the guardian.com. So by this new system that they're using invented in Switzerland, they were able to see the style of writing. Wow. That's insane. And I'm sure a lot more accurate than just looking at someone's handwriting and being like, oh, yeah, this matches th- this person's handwriting. Right. French media would not specify who the suspect was yet, but lawyers for some family members have argued that this is a, quote, smokescreen and will not be sufficient enough evidence. Okay. I could, I could kind of see that, though, because yeah. technically, like I said, nowadays... The, just the handwriting analysis or whatever can't be used to put someone in jail. Right. As per an article written in December 2020, quote, numerous DNA tests on traces of saliva on stamps, voice tracing, and graphology examinations of letters have proved inconclusive. Huh. Which is really sad because that's like the hard evidence. Yeah, it stinks that they have DNA and it's just inconclusive. I wonder if it's inconclusive because there's not enough of a sample or if it's even though nowadays you only need a tiny, tiny thing. Or like it wasn't preserved well enough to like actually run it. I don't know. Right. Or they're just not finding a match. I don't know how that works. Yeah. January 2021, an appeals court in Dijon accepted requests made by the Villamons. The requests were to compare DNA samples on evidence, and they want this done in order to show whether the samples come from extended family. So they still want stuff done, which I don't blame them. Yeah, and I would think that that shouldn't come back as inconclusive because all you're doing is seeing if it comes from extended family. Right. Right? Right. Unless the sample itself is too bad, like you said, was badly preserved or something. But then I would think they wouldn't even request that. I don't know how that works. Somebody tell us. Yeah, I want to know the answer to that, though, because January 2021, I feel like there should be some answers by now. Yeah, I wonder, like, what the issue is with the samples or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. September 2021, a little update on the Villamon family. The parents have since had three children. Oh. Julian, which he's 35, Emmeline, who's 30, and Simone. They are also grandparents. Oh my god, stop. Yeah, there was mention of one granddaughter in an article. I don't know if there there's been more grandkids since then. Jean-Marie Villamon is retired, and Christine Villamon works in a Parisian publishing house. Through all of the difficulties and pain of losing their child, they have managed to continue to build upon their life through love. This case remains one of France's most notorious unsolved murders, but hopefully not for long, people. I really hope that they keep going with this. Ugh. All these advances in DNA technology. Come on, Parabon. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get a move on. (laughs) But for real, something needs to be done. Uh, This family needs answers. See, I feel like I could never work in crime or detective work because I would literally never stop until a case is solved and, like, it would kill me. We wouldn't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
And I'd be wanting to get every DNA sample done within the week it came in. Right. Like, can you I'd, run this over the weekend? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, these people need answers. <laughs> They've been waiting for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So there are some documentaries on this case. And I had read, too, there's books, there's TV series, there's a bunch of things. But the documentaries, there was one in 2018 called The Curse of Valone. And then there's another one that was from 2019 on Netflix called Who Killed Little Gregory? Just an FYI, that one is in French, so it has little subtitle translations. Most of the ones on Netflix now, if you go to where you can put your subtitles on, a lot of them have translation things now where they you can put the audio into a translation. Oh, really? Yeah, because I started a series with Casey a couple weeks ago, and... We started watching it and we're like, oh my gosh, this seems so good, but it was in all in Spanish. And I was like, I wish I could understand this and not just have to read the, t- the subtitles. I couldn't just read the subtitles because it was really late at night and my eyes were getting tired. And then we went to the audio and we realized there was English translation. So we put that on and we were able to watch the show. Hmm, cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good. I forget what it was called at this point, but I think a lot of them offer that now because I think even with Squid Game, I think there was that option, even though I preferred to watch that in Korean and just read the subtitles. I think a lot of that is offered now. Yeah, I'm not, I can't do it. What, subtitles? Or it being in another language and me trying to listen. I just can't. The mouths not matching up with the words distracts oh, like, throws so you much. Off. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where we're at with this case. Hopefully there's an update at some point. I just, I feel for their family so much. Like, this is horrible. Yeah, it's freaking awful. Speaking of feeling for families, thank you for segueing me into something now. <laughs> I swear we planned this. Yeah, we did. <laughs> So I was talking to Dawn earlier, which is Drew Molinari's mom. Those who listen knew exactly who I was talking about as soon as I just said her name. (laughs) If anyone hadn't checked it out, we already posted it on our Facebook page a couple days ago. A recent article came out regarding Drew and just his, his mom's really been trying to push his case into the media. Yeah. So please check that out. But you segued me because I was talking to her and basically was saying how our hearts just break for these families, including her. And as I was talking to her, it was so strange. I just want to bring this up because of this. As I sent this to her, I had just turned a light on to record in the room I'm in and the light started flashing and then just shut off. Oh my god, I have the chills. Yeah, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention that little tidbit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you have any other things you want to talk about? Do you have any recommendations? Because we didn't do that in the beginning of the episode. Oh, actually, I do. I don't... Okay, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much I want to recommend this because I'm not totally sold yet, but I feel like it could get good. Okay. Um, It's... On HBO Max, it's called The Tourist. (gasps) I've been wanting to start that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel like it would be something you're really into. And Carson, like, absolutely loves it. But for me, I feel like if things start out a little bit slower, like, it's hard for me to get hooked right away. Okay. And it starts out pretty slow, but it's getting better. Okay. Just, like, yeah. a gist of it. Basically, this guy gets into a car. It's, like, the first episode, so you're not – I'm not spoiling anything. But this guy gets into a car accident and loses his memory completely – and he's, like, now backtracking um, all of these horrible things that have come upon him in life because he doesn't remember what he did. Wow. Okay, yeah. now I want to watch it even more because through the little trailer I watched, I didn't really get that from it. <laughs> See? Like, I feel like it's good, but it's slow. Like, you have to be patient while you're watching. Okay. I also have an HBO Max recommendation. Oh, okay. So, back in the day... I was a Pretty Little Liars fan. <laughs> Were you? Until it got towards the last probably two seasons. And then I was like, wow, I don't really like it anymore. Yeah. But there is the new Pretty Little Liars series on HBO Max called Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. And I was like, let me watch it for the hell of it because I used to love this show. Is it so it's, it's a new spinoff. There's a whole new crew of girls and so far i really like it okay yeah it's a little more so far anyway it's a little more dark than the old one and there's definitely more gore than the old one so far so good there's only three episodes out right now and i like it so i would i would say give it a try if you weren't an original pll fan you might think it's cheesy i don't know (laughs) I watched it, like, here and there. I was never, like, fully into it, but I'll have to check it out. Oh, I was at Mom and Dad's every week watching it with Mom. Really? Yeah, and Dad called it Pretty Little Shitty Littles. (laughs) (laughs) So the other day when I was at their house, I was like, Dad, there's a new Pretty Little Shitty Little, and he's like, I'm not watching that. (laughs) I love that there's nicknames for everything from him. I know. (laughs) I think I oh 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 I have one more story before we go. Hopefully you sounded like the Grape Lady Falls video. <laughs> oh oh oh! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> if you don't know that video from your childhood, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, we'll post it. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> but I have a quick story. Hopefully, our listeners are not getting annoyed with all of our story time today. <laughs> So the other night, I don't know why this weird shit always happens to me, but it does. The other night, I was leaving class with Ashley, and we were in the parking lot talking a little before we left, and all of a sudden, across the street, it looked like an ambulance pulled into this house, and they even, like, did the whoop whoop and the whoop whoop, you know, (laughs) and there were, like, little – the lights on the back were shining, blinking red, but there were no lights on on the front. And it backed into this driveway and we were like, okay, that's kind of weird. If it's an emergency, why is it slowly backing in the driveway, you know? Mm -hmm. And also there was no hospital logo on it and the one side was all worn looking. Ew. Yeah. So we were like, this is kind of weird. So we're like, let's just stand here behind the car and kind of watch a little to see what happens. So we're watching and we see these Two people get out of the truck. The one opens the back door, the back two doors. The one leaves the side door open and they go, it looks like around the back of the house. So 
long story short we hear banging on the doors of the house which was weird as fuck what at one point we see flashlights moving around so i was like okay ashley i learned from my past mistakes i've learned i was like when my mom and i the 30 seconds of that carjacking and we didn't move quick enough mm-hmm. i was like i've learned we need to call the police so ashley called a non-emergency number and they ended up sending two cops over because we were like this is just really sketchy on top of the fact if someone is in trouble they can't they're obviously not getting into this house right so two police officers come over the one goes starts checking out the house the other one pulls up to us and is like what's going on and we told him and he was like yeah thanks for calling that does seem kind of sketchy so long story short they talked to these people and apparently the truck or the van the whatever was an old ambulance vehicle and they bought it to use for as a work vehicle. How is that even legal? Right. And the cop was like, yeah, they shouldn't have used the siren or the lights. What the fuck? So why were they trying to get into the house? I guess they were, that was actually their house or whatever, but they were locked out of it or something. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. All I know is he said... It, they just bought the vehicle and they're using it as a work vehicle. And I guess they were like backing it up to load work stuff on or something. What the hell? Yeah, but I was like, first of all, how is it legal to buy an old ambulance to just drive around? And with still functioning lights and sirens. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, but <laughs> Ashley also stepped it up and made the phone call. Because I was like, Ashley, I was like, I'm going to slur my words right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's amazing (laughs) yeah but when the cop came thank god he was super chill about it and i kept saying to her too i'm like we always say on the podcast better to be over dramatic than to not do anything about it and he even said you guys you were right in calling so that was very reassuring oh my god yeah wait okay i swear to god last story it's quick but it's really funny and you guys will like it welcome to crime cults and coffee story time Story time. (laughs) it's our own listener stories it's story time it's story time (laughs) so this was not my own listener story but my friend becky shout out becky she was telling us the story about how, because we were talking about how we found the deer bones. Remember when we had yes. human bones? So she's like, yeah, it's so funny, actually. I found these deer bones in my backyard and I was in high school. So I like cleaned them up and bleached them and like brought a couple into school to show my biology teacher. She's like, the biology teacher was super intrigued by them. And he was like, do you mind if I like hold on to them? And Becky was like, yeah, of course. She thought she was so cool. she's like yeah you can hold on to these bones and so then apparently two days later the police showed up at her house (laughs) what (laughs) this is not funny i'm just awkward they were human bones no yeah no they weren't and she fucking bleached them no they weren't oh my god she thought they were because like i guess the the teacher was like that's strange it was a fucking femur is and that why the teacher kept them? Yes. And they went to her house and they were like, can you just show us where you found them? And she was like, yeah, don't deer die all the time. Like, what the fuck? And she went into the, her backyard or wherever she was at, showed the guy the bones. And apparently it was like of a farmer that died of a heart attack. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's awkward. Because you're nervous. 
Isn't that insane? First when she of told all, me th- she touched a human's bones thinking they were deer bones and She's bleached like, them. I know. I was like, not to mention you fucking ruined the crime scene. Yeah. What the fuck? Not that it was a crime. He just. Becky! <laughs> when she told me, I was like, I have to tell that on my podcast. No what disrespect, the- but. Could you imagine the teacher, like, seeing this, knowing it's a fucking human femur and being like, can I hold on to that? He's like, oh, my God, this is really intriguing. (laughs) I was like, can you come on the podcast and say that? What the hell? Isn't that insane? Oh, my God. And she probably solved a missing persons case, no less. Right? That, like, nobody knew where this body was? What the actual fuck? I'm honestly mind blown right now. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to say that in the beginning. Oh, my God. I can't believe she bleached the bones of this person. (laughs) Had zero idea it was a human. Oh, my. I'm sorry. I'm in shock. I am, too. When she told me that, I was like, how are you telling me this over dinner at a fancy restaurant right now. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Thank God she didn't put them on display in her room or something. Right. Being like, look at these deer bones. Oh my gosh. I'm assuming they found the rest of, in the most respectful way possible, I'm assuming they found the rest of this person. I don't know. Well, Carson was then like, did you miss the rest of the body? And she's like, I don't know. Oh my god, she didn't see the human, like his skull? I mean, it had to have been there for years. I think she said that maybe it was partially under leaves and stuff. Oh, and animals could have gotten to him or something. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, I, I am so mind blown. I'm speechless, honestly. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Wow. That's Becky's listener story. Wow. Yeah. Shit just got real. It did. All right, on that note. Okay, let's get into our spiel. I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) She's sweating into the spiel. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee. Facebook is where we post our weekly resources and photos from every episode. And then our Instagram is where we post our coffee reviews and photos from each case. We also have our link tree in our bio with all of our listening platforms. If you have a listener story like Becky, but hopefully not as fucking disturbing as that. (laughs) Sorry, Becky. (laughs) Or a case suggestion like Alyssa, please DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram or email us at Crime Colts and Coffee at gmail.com. We love, love, love. Can't stress this enough. I know I say it every week. We love all of the feedback and all of the messages and all of the interaction we're getting lately. It's incredible. And it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. Yeah, without a doubt. And we love getting case suggestions from you guys. Yeah. Our list is very long. We will get to everyone eventually. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to leave us a nice rating and review, like we say every week, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We will send you free stickers if you send us a screenshot of your review. Also, if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe on any listening platform of your choice, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Yeah. And on that note... See you next week for the musical. 
and hopefully more listener stories. Oh, yeah. I can't sing. Love you. Bye. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook